unofficial communique to Sun Minister de Winton, left hand of the Church of Gov, year 264, month 7, summer. I have had enough of your threats and insinuations, Sun Minister. You know as well as I that this situation is unprecedented and I refuse to be your scapegoat. You can blame all of this on me, and that might buy you some time, but how much time, really? How long until it comes back on you? How long until Gov's chief evangelical officer finds out what you've been up to? I know all about it. You think I've been fooling around? I've been hard at work, Sun Minister. Just not on exactly what you've been expecting. I'm taking the prototype. Assign me a cubicle of auditors. I will find them. I will break them. I will open the hub to you and all within the month. I'll help you, Sun Minister, and in return, you will help me when the time comes. Otherwise, I will break you too. You thought you were making a marionette dance. You and all of the other snakes have gravely underestimated me. What you took for a puppet was a mongoose. Tomorrow, I leave for Bodhi. Expect me in three days. Have what I need ready. Toil and Gov's light while you still can. Governor Denton Yaw. Welcome back to Splinters of a Broken Sun. We're doing a role-playing podcast here using the Fate Core system, and we are in space. More specifically, we're in a tunnel in a mountain in space on top of a space station. And the tunnel seems to be a little bit unusual, not quite what we were expecting when we first entered the depths of this mountain. But then again, at the heart of every mountain lies a mystery. Today, we are joined by fellow Spelunkers, Keekers. Hi, everyone. I'm Keekers. I play Keva Jarma, and I'm also known as Be a Space Cat elsewhere, just on the interwebs, Twitter and such. Anyway, trying to keep calm and carry on here. And speaking of carrying, we have OG Brown Sugar, and your character was, until recently, being carried. Kited. Until we did the reverse repelling. But yes, I am Ochi Brown Sugar and I play Maeve Sentis, mother of spiders, and really peeved at this hallucination going on. Well, when you think about it, what is a kite but a reverse grappling hook at the end of the day? And speaking of reverse repelling, we've got Michael Blood. Howdy, everyone. I'm Mike Blood. I also go by Salisdreus online. You can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood. For the podcast, I play Emran Pak, who is uh, the resident reverse repeller champion. And uh, we're going to see if I can get out of Silent Hill. It's a popular sport back in the station. And finally, we have Singing Chemist. Yes, my name is Jason. I'm the Singing Chemist. I play Zonin Chan. And my favorite Warhammer 40k race was the Chaos Space Marines. Hey, there we go. Time is a flat circle. And speaking of time, your sense of it as characters is fading away as these banks of fog come in to fully embrace you. How are your characters um, uh, reacting to this isolation and the fog before we launch into what happens to you? Azonin is certainly um, uneasy. Uh, there's that excitement that comes with something new, but you know, there's you know, having no one to experience that with being isolated is not his jam. You can hear a faint buzzing in your ears that you think may, at some point, have been Matt Damon's voice, but now is little more than that sound of a fly. So, like, it would be what Matt Damon would sound like if he were, say, six inches tall or, like, just a t- like smaller person, like he was downsized in some way? Yeah. If you were downsized, that was what he would sound like. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I think you've killed Mike. <laughs> yeah. Now he's going to stay in silent on purpose. How's, uh, how's Keva responding here? Um, Keva has wrapped her arms around herself. And is kind of like to keep 
calm and carry on, as I said, but she's kind of like, you know, kind of trying to get out of the hyperventilating thing, but she still is. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's, you know, I've talked about stimming before, so uh, she might be getting to that, like, trying to find something to, like, root herself with. Okay. Need to strengthen your alar. Uh, Maeve? My bolter is locked and loaded. My scanners are firing in every direction, and I have adopted as much of the come-at-me pose as I can in that cram space. Mm-hmm. Your scanners uh, are likewise. The information that was floating in front of your eyes begins to fade away as the fog envelops you. And Emran? I think that the camera will probably get a, a close-up of Emran's face inside the suit. And uh, it, it's just, once he starts seeing the fog and realizes he can't hear anyone else in the group, his his eyes just start to narrow, and we see that, that like snarl starting to build in his face that we saw in the fight for the Oasis. For Emran, it's a little bit different. Obviously, Emran doesn't see in the way that we traditionally do, so the fog is more just encroaching upon that uh, oil-slick view of the world that you have when you're looking out through the SGM. It's dampening it until the point where you are surrounded by nothing more than your own body, the very edges of your suit. And then it seems the fog breaches that barrier. And for a moment, you see nothing until you open your eyes and you see as you used to, but what you see is not anything you've seen before. You have a feeling that you are someone else but at the same time you are you and you know that you are you but you also know that you are Emran as you is someone else a student you're standing in the city square you're on earth you know this but Emran does not gazing up you can see the sky it's blue white shapes drift across it you know they're clouds but Emran doesn't There's a video display on the side of the leafy Okorafor building at the side of the square. Occasionally a bus hovers by with a hum, but most of the crowd is on foot. You're late for your class at the university, but you don't care, and you doubt the professor will care either. Today is the day. The city has allowed all the displays in the square to play audio today a rare exemption to the public noise pollution laws, and the overlapping voices of news anchors boom and echo between the canopies of the buildings. The anchor from overseas looks paler than usual, mopping at his brow. The city is broadcasting reactions from around the world. It, uh, well, it appears that the series of failed launches by Afrospace, PASA, Kerry, ISRO, and the NSPO were, uh, well, misdirection? What we assumed was debris from the rockets exploding in orbit is uh, forming some type of cloud and drifting towards each other, forming some type of structure in space. We go live now to... The channel changes. No, NASA was not aware of this project. It's incredibly dangerous to pull this kind of stunt. You know, we've got our lunar colonies and the Martian colonies well underway, but to pull this kind of stunt without consulting, the channel changes. We may be forced to consider this an act of aggression. We'll have to respond accordingly if the channel changes. Raises questions about sovereignty in space and who really owns the area around Earth. Does anyone? The screens suddenly go blank, and then the local anchor appears. Project Aboti is now in phase two and progressing. We and our allies in space have activated the constructor swarms, and they will soon rendezvous with the Namodoryong, Tistar, Manu, and Fangjo swarms to begin the building process. It is a new dawn! You feel pride well up inside you. You helped to make this happen in your own small way, and now your people will show the rest of the world what it really means to look to the future. Fade out. Zonin. The hiss that you hear is indeed air, being forced into the capsule in which you're flying. You are you, but also you are Zonin. You can only vaguely feel the horrendous g-forces that batter your small ship as it settles into the orbit you calculated, the one that will slingshot you around the moon just that much faster and finally break the record. 
Your grin is fierce, and it only is partially because of the forces pulling at your skin. There are no windows on your vessel, which is shaped like a teardrop, and it contains little more than you and the engines. But through the feed that connects your mind and body to every system, you can see the habitat, mankind's greatest achievement, receding behind you already a quarter turn around the planet from your current trajectory. Your speed is almost inconceivably fast. You turn your attention away from the view and back to monitoring your systems. All green. Wait. Not all green. Proximity alert! Blares through your bones as a massive shape suddenly appears in your path, eclipsing the light from the sun and the other stars with its ponderous bulk. You can no longer see the reflected lights of the lunar colony. You gape at its size. Not to mention its impossible presence. It wasn't there a second ago, and yet now... You only have time to brace yourself before your ship slams into the unidentified flying object, and everything goes dark. Maeve. You are standing on a podium. Cameras are facing you. Somehow you know, even if Maeve doesn't, that these are recording the images of what's transpiring and broadcasting them all across the world. You extend your hand to the alien. They are not what anyone expected. Sapient gas from another galaxy, born in a nebula, never needing a planet to nurture their growth. This one floats before you in a containment unit. Twin rings rotate at 45 degree angles around a rugby ball-shaped central structure about three meters long. One of the rings distends, forming the rough outline of a human hand, and comes out to grip your own. You shake, and it's not just your hand. You trained your entire life for this moment, but never really believed it would come. This whole wild plan, the ruse, the habitat, the engines, the massive transmitter. But here you were, and here they were. Genuine life forms from another galaxy. You try on a smile. The second ring of the containment unit contorts in a way that you recall from your studies is also an expression of pleasure. On behalf of the League of Orbital Nations, we welcome you, you hear yourself say. On behalf of the Andromedan Expanse, we accept your welcome. But we fear that this meeting will not be as joyous as all present had hoped. Cold sweat immediately breaks out all over your body. What do you mean, Ambassador? If this is about what happened with the racing ship... Oh no, we have repaired, sorry, healed that one and will return them to you presently. No. We mean that we come in peace, of course, but other things come behind us. Your message was widely received. There is much to discuss and little time in which to do so. Your mouth goes dry. Keva, you are in pain. It is magnitudes greater than anything you've ever imagined and it is a pressure beyond belief. It comes in waves but never fully leaves, and you can hear a voice moaning in pain. It is your voice, but not yours, Keva. Gradually, you become distantly aware of your surroundings. You are in a pool of warm water, tinged pink. What? There is a man next to you, speaking in a low voice. Several more people surround you, wearing blue robes, their hair and faces covered except for their eyes. Around the edges of this large round pool, more people stand holding hands. Some are singing and all are swaying as if in prayer. Heart rate's dropping. Put her on her side. Hurry, on her side. Strong hands roll you to the side and the man next to you is directed to hold your legs up. The pain comes again, obliterating awareness. Almost there. Get her on her back. It's coming. I see the head. You're rolled onto your back again and the pressure mounts to an impossible crescendo. And it's gone placed by an urgent ache deep in your gut. Then, a sting at your spine and the pain recedes, replaced by a foggy euphoria. You are flooded with serenity and pride? After everything, after everything that came, still, there's this. There's a sound then, a small, weak cry that demands your full attention. Even in your exhausted state, you can't ignore it. Your eyes find the source, a tiny form. To Keva's eyes, wizened and perhaps deformed, but to your eyes, perfect. It is tethered to you by its belly, and one of the people in the pool, 
The doctor, you suddenly remember, raises it from the water, then swiftly places it upon your bare chest. The feeling is indescribable. In this moment, you know that you would do anything for this little one. Your perceptions and priorities shift all at once. The man next to you places his large brown hand over the child's back and leans down to kiss your sweaty forehead. Congratulations, the doctor says, their voice tinged with awe and choked with tears. It's a... alive! Fog recedes, and the four of you find yourselves standing next to each other where you were, tears on your cheeks. Eva immediately is like taking them into a group hug and sobbing. Zonin, you died. How do... Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I'm like touching my body to ensure that I'm alive in the here and now. Boss! 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 And Damon, uh... Am I, how am I doing? How, how, where, how am I feeling? <clears throat> Tell me how I'm feeling. I don't know how you're feeling, but your heart rate's been through the roof. I thought you were going into cardiac arrest. I, I don't, uh, I don't know what happened. Where are we? We haven't moved. I'll look around to everybody else and, and ask them where we are. Keva looks up from her odd embrace of everyone and is kind of like seeing through the tears. She kind of is like, um, I, I guess where we were. Maybe your mouth is still dry as it was and you can feel the same sweat on your body that you felt on not your body. There's a strange sense of foreboding that you still feel as if something were coming, but it's also a distant feeling, as if it already came. I will triple-check my scanners. They show the same readings they were showing before. You are inside a tunnel made up largely of a hodgepodge of minerals with some metallic elements within it. About 30-35 meters below you, the hull begins. We need to get out of this mountain. Um... Did any of you, uh, I think I, you know how goats push their babies out of them instead of putting them in a, you know, decanter? Yes. It, you know how Hobbes said that people used to do that too? Yes. I just had a dream that that happened. Emran, for a short while, you could see again the way that you used to. But as you come back to yourself, you are at first in darkness. You've lost your concentration. Emran will uh, reattune to his suit's hole. It takes you a few tries, but eventually you do and your usual oil-slick vision returns, with the many different colors and the sheen across everything. You can probably see that Keva is still, like, trying to hold all three of you. What are your characters up to? What do you want to do now? Emran will just turn to Maeve, and uh, he doesn't realize he's doing this, but he says, uh, which way did the exit? And then he realizes that's not the language he should be speaking. And he, uh, he just coughs a few times. The language that you would have been speaking, people in the audience might recognize were this a format where we were all speaking that language as Yoruba. Ah. Uh, Zonin sits on the ground. Are you sure about that? Because Keva's still trying to hug everyone. Um, well, he like collapses as if to sit on the ground. So if you can, when you can support his weight, we're in space. Okay, so she she lets him sit on the ground. Emrena gives gives Keva a pat, and um, he speaks slowly. Maeve, which way did the exit? I will engage all my lights 
and try to very gently nudge everyone forward, saying, we need to get out. I need to get out. When she uh, is picked a direction, um, Emrin will hurry in front of everyone. Keva is uh, like immediately like hurrying as well with like still keeping her hands on whoever will let her. As you continue your walk through the tunnel, you can still hear from time to time different sounds in the distance. But the fog doesn't come for you again. Not yet anyway. There's still some ways until where you assume the exit will be. But it still will be faster to go that way than to turn back. Who's still letting Keva, like, hold them or touch them? Uh, not zoning. I, th- I think he's taking his sweet time here. Okay, so not zoning. Also not Emrin. Emrin will, uh, have, after giving you a few pats and before we got underway, he would have uh, tried to distance himself from... Not from the party, exactly, but to give himself some space to change his arm attachment. I'm following close by Emren with my rifle pointed, even though that I think about it. It might not work well in strategy. You are continuing to walk through, and as you reach about the three-quarters mark, you estimate, you start to see that fog again. It's not coming towards you, though. It's sort of just hanging in the air around the edges of what has become a wider section of the tunnel. The section of the tunnel is also considerably taller. Uh, Keva stiffens and is kind of like freaked out by the fog. Not that the experience wasn't exactly uh, pleasant, but it was not good in between the time when she was cut off from everyone. Maeve. Yes? Scan for small energy signatures. I don't think that's fog. I will scan for all of the things. Okay. You find there's stuff here. And, you know, there's the usual, there's the materials, there's the metal, there's occasional motes of SGM in between. But what's unusual is that there's something here that doesn't match with anything that's in the database of these suits. It's a material that's not really a mineral, but it doesn't match anything else that you can see either. And it's above you. Is it a solid? It's hard to tell from the scans. Cameron places the the suit's hand on the cave wall and tries to sense his way towards it, given that information, if it is provided. Okay. All information is relayed. It's directly, like you sense that it is directly above you. There's this maybe a mass of hard to say exactly what. But when you look up, you can just see it's sort of a writhing mass above you. There's not much form to it, but there's movement. It's glowing very faintly. Not enough to illuminate anything, but enough for you to see it. It looks almost like a nest of snakes, but gigantic. Would you describe it as goo? It doesn't really look gooey. It looks more solid than that. Does it have uh, the physical qualities of a non-Newtonian liquid? Possibly. It does have bits of it that are extending in different directions and then coming back in towards the central mass but they each appear to be an individual strand. If it were to be something that you would remember from your studies, you might think of it as like a Gordian knot, but alive. That's kind of awful. Then like Alexander, I shall cast my sword into nothing. I will try to reach out to it mentally. There is something there, but it is not something that you can command. You can simply sense there is perhaps a mind, or at least an awareness. Emron would like to try and... He doesn't know if this actually works, but he, he thinks that like lending his mental intent to, uh, to Maeve will somehow strengthen her psychic ability to communicate with it. If he gets the sense that she's actually reaching out to it. As you notice this thing's awareness, the... Things awareness touches your own very briefly. 
and then pulls back as if afraid. Hello? Kevin just kind of like looks at it and is like, are you an Andromedan? It gives you the sense of a negative. And you can hear distantly. It's like the memory of a voice saying, no. Huh. Well, that was the one thing she knew. Emran, em, I, I think he has the presence of mind to say this, but I think Emran says, did you come before or after the Andromedans? After. Emran grits his teeth inside the suit. If you hurt any one of my friends, you will be sorry, Keva says. Can you tell me what you are? Memory. Not human. Memory of humans. Are you? Not all. Are you an AI? Doesn't quite seem to know how to answer that question. Are you like Hub? Velico? I remember Velico. Eterar? I remember. Do you, and obviously you probably remember Ungshuo. All the systems I remember. Are you a composite of these systems? I. How many memories do you have? You get an impression of sort of a vast amount, but still with a limit. And it seems to pause after a while of trying to express this to you and says, Not enough. What do you mean, not enough? There were too many. It's just kind of Kevin puzzling over that. So Matt, yeah, I I, I kind of intended one of Embrin's aspects. Uh, I see through the shells of my dead gods to be kind of tied into his heresy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to compel him to ask the to ask memory if it can show him the emergency, like it showed him the student. Is that an accurate compel? Because he's still going to ask regardless. I just want to know if I can get a, a point out of it. Um, if you ask memory about it and convince memory to tell you, it will damage your mind. Cost that you'll have to bear. Oh, but he'd be so curious. <laughs> memory. You can feel memory's attention. It says... I know what you wish to ask. I know and remember some, but not all. It's not meant for your minds. But how did you get here? How did a bunch of memories become you? Hiding. Show me. I would also like to see if that's a possibility. Are you sure? I will show you what I remember. And you feel the fog close in on you. And this time it hurts. So, Emran and Maeve... You stand together, and the images that you see are fragmentary. You see flashes, and it is difficult to piece them together into a story that your mind can encompass. But you see the earth, and the earth is encompassed with a shroud. 
It doesn't appear to simply be clouds, but they are cloud-like in a way, and the shroud extends out past the Earth's atmosphere. And as that happens, you can see shapes also emerging from within that shroud outwards. You see the habitat where you live, this station, leaving the Earth's orbit and escaping from this calamity as it takes place. From there, the fragmented images show you a creature, but not a creature, something created. It is light and also darkness writhing around the light. It consumes, but not everything. It only consumes those that created it. It seeks out all those who created it and attempts to consume them as well. You see the shroud spreading throughout the system. You see the habitat, but no longer as it was, now covered, hidden, camouflaged, as the shroud passes it by. You see an explosion in one side of it, people trying to get in, or perhaps people trying to get out. And you see the light and the darkness writhing together, trying to pull apart but unable to separate, and it flashes into your minds and you return to your bodies, stunned. Keva is flipping out because Emrin and Maeve have just sort of, like, been possessed a sense and again. They have fallen over. Their bodies are stiff and in convulsions. Yeah, she's like, you said you wouldn't hurt them! They asked. I warned them. That doesn't mean you should have. I obey. Are they stabilizing at all? Physically, they're not dying. But Maeve and Emrin are... out of it. Should I roll to try to, like, knock them out of this? Like... Uh, you would probably know that trying to slap them or knock them out of this type of fugue state would be a bad idea. Okay. The uh, creature memory in the ceiling says, I remember. Up. And from the midst of this writhing mass, a tendril emerges and it's holding a small cube. It's about the size of an apple, but it's a small cube. It's blue and it glows. Uh, Keva looks at it and remembers that Hub was missing their, uh, like, I don't remember the word for it, but they're a little... Uh, they're back up. Yeah. That's what this is. You would recognize it, it from Hub's description. So, you took their backup? I remember. Hub is alive, and your mind says they are. This should be returned to them. Who made you? All the people that you have memories of? I am memory, but was not always memory. Came what is needed. What did you used to be? You feel a sort of dark amusement. I don't, 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 don't remember. Keva's going to kind of like look to zone in since he's the only one who's awake. And um, she, I guess, puts the backup in her storage compartment or whatever. Zonin is still kind of rocking back and forth. I think he's having a tough time. 
coming to grips with having died and does not know what to make of it. Kevin's going to like take note of that and just be like, you showed us all different things. What did he see? He saw first contact. Not then well for him, but it did end well for him then. And uh, memory, seeing the distress that Zonin is in, reaches out its fog and says, A new memory, perhaps, to soothe. And Zonin, you wake up, and once again you are in this other you. And you see that this you sits up from a table on what you can only assume is an alien ship and is surrounded by those three-meter rugby balls with their orbiting rings that Maeve saw in her vision. And you are terrified, but as they speak to you and show you what has happened since the, well, since you died, you become calmer and they help you to readjust and rehabilitate and come to terms with, essentially, resurrection. Later, this man, the racer, went on to become sort of a heroic figure, not just to the Andromedans, but also to the people of the orbital nations. It's soothing in a way, but nothing can erase the memory of death. While I think that's a lot for him to process, I think Zona's still going to take a little bit more time to, to get back in it, but I think that's, that's going to help him uh, kind of at least get through for now. Mm-hmm. Would you say that Zonin looks a little less troubled now? Yeah, I think um, Zonin's breathing is steadied. He's still kind of rocking back and forth, but um, if he was if he was hyperventilating before, he's got a steady, like calmer breath pattern. Keva's kind of like she's got her eye on everyone, but also like trying to do a, a couple different tasks, you know, and looks at memory again and so. I don't want to see what you showed them about the emergency, but do you think you could answer some questions about it? No. No? I obey, but yes, I hold. Are not. Emergency is why I became me, not the same as what I showed them. Keva's trying to make sense of that paradox. Emergency on Earth eventually caused the emergency here, but they were not the same. Do not remember this one, but Hub does. Hub said that something was coming, and then they got sent into emergency powers, or sent to, you know, set, turned down to. Would they remember if I gave them back their backup? Perhaps. If they wish to. So, the emergency here was after the one on Earth? Yes, linked, but not the same. Are the people on Earth dead? I do not know. How did you get here if they're Earth memories? Some brought memories from Earth. I have no memories of Earth since. I, if you have, if you, if you have nanomachines, 
I could try to connect to you when we're not in a place without air. That would not be wise. As I said to your friends, this is not for your minds. There are other memories that remain. I am not alone, but I am alone. So you mean there are other things like you, but you can't talk to them? Yes. Kevin's trying to make sense of what it is exactly, like memory. Well, you can try to figure it out with investigate or lore. Yeah, uh, I'm going to roll that investigate. This is also very far beyond anyone here's experience. Okay. You would guess it's maybe some kind of computer system, or it might be an AI that's been corrupted somehow. It's difficult to say from its explanation that it was made after the emergency by all. It could mean it was made by the other AIs. It could mean it was made by the people inside. It's difficult to really understand but it is clearly something manufactured and it seems to be fulfilling a purpose it's not supposed to. And it seems, well, do you want to know how it feels? Yeah, definitely. Kevin would be trying to figure it out from a lot of uh, fronts and empathy is kind of her jam. So, yeah. Okay. Attempt to overcome that obstacle with your empathy. Okay. Hold on. Try and figure out how, this synthetic creature feels. Uh, with that, you'll have a limited understanding of whatever emotions it can feel. But you get the impression of pain from the way that it speaks and the general attitude that it has. Is there a way we could help you? Yes, yes but yes, not no. yet. Okay, uh, how will we help you in the future? When you, when you return, return the memories to all, I will be free. Return the memories to all. Like, you mean, like giving Hub back their memory? That will help a little bit? That is one child of the broken sun. I cannot linger to speak with you. His pain. Zonin snaps out of his trance and he, he says, Quit, wait, 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 before you go. You are memory. Do you have any memories of solar panels like where if do you know where we could find any in the vicinity solar panels i will describe solar panels it doesn't sound like it's it doesn't sound like it doesn't know what solar panels are it just sounds like it's taken aback that that's your question okay and it's like yes yes, 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 yes. they remain where they were and that is you are on the path don't i hope we can give you some consolence by knowing i'll try to fix it i'll try to fix you and i will remember presence that you sensed fades seems to have gone into some sort of you would guess hibernation or something along those lines after the exertion of interacting with you zonin turns to keva and says i want to go home let's get this done yeah and she kind of like 
looks at Emrin and Maeve, like, trying to figure out, like, if she can maybe move them along somehow. Well, um, Emrin does have that hull panel dragon behind him. Yes. Oh, I was thinking about, like, since we don't have weight, like, she would drag them. Yeah, you can, you can certainly drag them. It'd be easier to do with both of them on, on one thing, but it's up to you how you want to handle that. <laughs> okay, if you, if you want me to do that, then she will try to secure them to it. Yeah, it came in handy after all. Uh, all right, so you and Zonin, do you, I guess, work together to pull Maeve and Emrin out through the tunnel? Yes, I definitely assist with that. Yeah, so you want me to do physique? No, because there isn't much weight. It's just a question of controlling it. So you're able to move these two twitching forms out onto the surface again. Once you are out onto the surface, we're going to start a new scene there. So if you have again, strain, physical or mental, you may clear that. And if you took a compel during the scene, uh, please add a point to your total. Do we take strain from the memory or has that strain not kicked in yet? Uh, I am still deciding exactly how I'm going to handle that mechanically. Would Keva yelling at uh, memory for hurting them count as her trouble? Probably not. But, um, yeah. It didn't cause you any difficulty, so I don't think it would have been a good yeah. compel. Yeah, just, just asking. Would this count as a compel for Seeker of Truth? I think so. I want it on record that I regret nothing. That's fine. So I'm sure, I'm sure you can tell Keva when you wake up. Once you are out of the tunnel and back onto the surface, under the light of the distant sun and the stars, you can feel that oppressive, claustrophobic feeling receding behind you. Obviously, you've all emerged from this experience, changed in some significant way, but on the surface, you do feel at least some solace in not being trapped in a tunnel. So there's that, which is good. Maeve and Emrin, uh, you come to once you're out under the sun and the stars again, but uh, you are in shock. Your characters are currently in shock. You have experienced significant mental and emotional trauma. Please keep that in mind going forward through this scene. Everyone responds to trauma in different ways, but uh, it does affect people, and, and in particular this being such a thing beyond human comprehension, it uh, will have affected you in a significant way, and we'll figure that out as we go. But you have all survived the trial of the Tuttle, as it were. I hope you guys don't come out like talking like hunched over like Smeagol. Probably not. I mean, if there's a ring, of, a ring of power, I'll totally take it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there were certainly rings involved. Uh, as you are continuing across the surface of the moon, you can see in the distance you are beginning to approach where the solar panels are supposed to be or where they were supposed to be. You see a couple more hills and dips in between you and there, but you figure you can probably manage the trek in about... Hmm, Maybe another hour at most. How's that air supply? It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Keva's gonna wryly like joke like, "Hey, have you asked Matt Damon in a while about the solar panels?" Uh, you know, it's it's escaped me, but I'll ask Matt Damon right now. Uh, there are no solar panels nearby. Thanks. His sensor range isn't that long. <laughs> I have to mention that, like, Keva, like, somehow is doing the best out of everyone. And I'm just really confused by this. Keva's experience was, in many ways, traumatic in a different style. Yeah. Like, we know that childbirth is a traumatic event for uh, the person giving birth. But it's an event that we have evolved various mechanisms to deal with. Whereas dying, uh, not so much, and having the memories of uh, this type of event, memories that aren't quite human memories, 
put into your mind that are also broken memories is also not something we've really evolved to handle. Damn core for laws. Sorry, bad reference. Kevin's just gonna like try to take up the space, even though she doesn't think they're listening to her. It makes her feel better by talking and just going into detail about what she experienced from memory about giving birth. And I'm not gonna repeat all of that because that would be redundant. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, Emran, how is Emran at this moment? Is he moving? Is he up? Emran is moving, but is largely in a fugue state. Okay. Like he can be guided around, but he's not talking. But he does seem to be able to focus on things. He is. Uh, he's presently elsewhere. Okay. Mave is in total work mode. All sensors are running and lights are flashing and she just keeps mumbling about a devouring shroud and about how we need the solar panels. You start to get pings on your readings that there are indeed the materials that you would expect to find in a solar panel nearby. Just over that mountain, in fact. Not even a mountain. This one's just a little hill. I wish Jolly was here. Sonin marches forward swiftly, as uh, swiftly as he can, to get to these solar panels. He has a newfound resolve to get the hell out of here. Maeve is matching his pace as much as her physique will allow. So, kind of. And I guess Keva is on Emrin died duty. As you get up to the top of this little hill, you look down and you can see where, according to the map, the solar panels should be. And it's like, should be a field of them, like a football field sized set of solar panels and like three or four of those you can see that some of it is visible some of it has been covered with debris some of it has been damaged and other parts of it uh, are gone but there is there do appear to be some functional solar panel fields down there that you may be able to use you'll probably have to move some rubble and do some repairs and then of course find a way to hook up this to hub mm -hmm. but you've made it you have arrived at the solar panels you can see them stretching across the fields in front of you nearly to the horizon that you can see and uh yeah there should hopefully be enough still functioning and if you can figure out how to get them working you'll be able to get some power and as we end that moment we are going to also end this session and take a break so until the next time, all the best. All the best, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.